Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Scared money don't make money. Get your t-shirt right here at GatorsBreakdownMerch.com. Billy Napier, head coach of Florida. Coined the phrase. We'll bring it to Gainesville. Scared money. Don't make money. Get your T-shirt at GatorsBreakdownMerch.com. Tank tops and uh, women's available too. So GatorsBreakdownMerch.com to get your scared money. Don't make money T-shirt. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Join right here, breaking news with Will Miles. You can find him at readreaction.com on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. Coming here on the heels of the announcement that Florida is hiring Billy Napier as their next head coach will man thanks for hopping on yeah man we got the wi-fi figured out over here and uh obviously still on vacation you can see the palm trees behind but uh when you get news like this that's the kind of commitment you get from gators breakdown right is is you're going to hear immediately from us you're going to hear what we think and good or bad right i mean we've tried to be pretty consistent across the board and so uh it's exciting to have a new coach in obviously um, you know, wish things had worked out better with with Dan Mullen, wish things had worked out better with Jim McElwain for that matter. But working on, uh, you know, what is this, the fourth coach now in the last 10 or 11 years. And hopefully this is the one that hits and we're able to uh, experience some of those special moments that we've had with some of those national championship teams in the 90s and 2000s. Absolutely. Absolutely. So no, not a huge, huge dive in here. We got plenty, plenty of time for that. We got we got to August, Will, so we could dive into uh, Billy Napier. But we'll get into a, a good bit of his career uh, here in the announcement, of course. You know, Florida uh, now hiring him uh, on this Sunday. Took a week, Will, from uh, firing Dan Mullen uh, to get Billy Napier. Not quite, you know, a straight timeline there. Conversations, uh, you know, Dan Mullen pretty much knew after South Carolina he was gone. Uh Conversations with Napier starting right around that time as well after the South Carolina game. So, it, of course, it seems fast on the surface, but not quite as fast there. But look, well, I mean, Scott Strickland went and got his man. This was the name we heard from the get go. This was the number one target for Florida. Scott Strickland went and got it done. I mean, I think uh, you know whether you agree if it's the right hire or not. It is you you can, you have to agree with. Scott Strickland identified who he wanted. He went and got him. We'll see how that part of it plays out. Uh, but you know, kind of a kind of a power move there by Strickland by going and getting his guy there. And of course, there were there was other interest out there. It does seem like LSU may or may not have been interested. But what we were told, he was not really going to consider LSU anyway. Uh, from you know the Raging Review podcast, Josh guy who who jumped on last week on the uh, Gators Breakdown Plus Sound Off. That's what he told us. And, and then Virginia Tech comes open, and I know I have been told. Uh, even before Florida came open, before LSU came open, that if Virginia Tech made a move, look for Billy Napier to go there. Then, of course, the bigger programs open, and, and he, I, you know, he really thinks highly uh, of Virginia Tech. So, also for Florida to go ahead and quick and make the move from Dan Mullen to get the train and the ball rolling on on, on Billy Napier, but Scott Strickland goes and gets his guy. Will. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely consider it a power move to go out and get that guy, considering that you've got USC, considering you've got LSU, and considering that Napier, for all reports, has turned down jobs in the SEC, like at Auburn and at South Carolina. Now, obviously, no, nothing is ever offered when someone has turned it down, right? And so there's probably some debate um, about exactly who that might, you know, whether those jobs were formally offered. But let's be honest, you don't go and have those conversations with Napier and, and get into that sort of detail without that. So what this says is that Napier thinks the Florida job is special, which I think is part of something that fans are looking for. I think it also suggests that that Florida, I think people have gotten concerned over the last maybe 5, 10, 15 years that the Florida program's lost a little bit of its luster in terms of a national job. This really sort of reiterates that that the Florida job is a special job, that the Florida job has pull that other jobs don't. And I think we all know that, especially when you start looking at the finances and the backers and the boosters and, and and all that sort of stuff. At the same time, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of success. And when you look at, I mean, there's been some success, but it hasn't been national championship level success. And, um, you know, th- this is somebody who potentially has the ability to, to bring Florida back to that level. And even if he doesn't, it says something about the program to be able to go out, get your number one choice, do it in a week when there's all those other entities that are out there that potentially are changing coaches. And like you said, Napier was looking at Virginia Tech too. That's certainly a lower pressure job there in Blacksburg. I mean, I love the Virginia Tech program, but uh, it, it's not the same level of crucible. It's also not the same level of expectations as the Florida program. So he wants the expectations because if he didn't want those expectations, he wouldn't have taken this one if he had multiple offers, especially if he thought either one of those were going to work for him. And so, uh, hey, there's a new, new, uh, a new addition to the SEC. I won't say a new sheriff in town yet. I think you got to throw down that first recruiting class, the first, the bump class at least, before you start talking about there being a new sheriff in town. But there's hope, at least at the Florida horizon, that there's a guy who has a pedigree that suggests he might be able to recruit at a similar level to, to Kirby, Kirby Smart and, and Nick Saban, and certainly has a lot of the boxes you'd want to have checked, similar to when Urban Meyer came here in 2005. Yeah, you're coming from a, a lower power five uh, there, coming from the Sun Belt, had a lot of success there uh, at Louisiana. We'll get into all that. But uh, also, um, well, I mean, looking at it, you know, I'm glad you brought up, you know, bringing up Virginia Tech. And, you know, this is kind of like the whole Chip Kelly situation in a way goes to UCLA more so because the expectations aren't Florida. And, you know, he, there is a little more of a leash there uh, compared to Florida and the SEC and the pressure uh, of being the head coach at Florida. Well, we know it. You know, we're fans of this school. We know the pressure here. And now him choosing uh, Florida, embracing those expectations, as you said. So, you know, so Florida uh, ends up getting there, man. So we'll uh, definitely share. Uh, and our good friend Tony Aguilini says, Will, you look like a NASCAR spotter, by the way. So <laughs> uh, good joke there. So, all right, let's get into uh, the announcement. University of Florida made it official. We were wondering, Will, you know, if Florida would make it official today. It was it was coming out fast and furious from all, you know, from first of all, starting locally. Uh, you know, my, myself, Nick Devitore, Thomas Goldcamp, Corey Bender, um, Zach Albert Zach Goodall, everybody, you know, locally had it. This had been trending this way. Uh, but then, you know, the, of course, it's going to be the agent that puts it out for the national, <laughs> the national people. So once you see Thamel and, and, um, Bruce Feldman put it out there, then you kind of know uh, it was very close to being done. And then Florida does go ahead and announce it today that they are hiring Billy Napier. So here's the official announcement from the University of Florida. The Gators have selected Billy Napier as the 28th head coaching program. History, University of, Af- University of Florida Athletics Director Scott Strickland announced on Sunday. Napier, who spent the last four seasons as Louisiana's head coach, will lead the Raging Cajuns in this year's Sunbelt Con- uh, Sun Conference Championship game when they face App State this coming up Saturday, December 4th. He will arrive in Gainesville Sunday, December 5th, and a press conference will be held that same day. Details will be released later. Here's what Billy Napier had to say about that. We are humbled and honored to accept the incredible opportunity to be the head football coach at the University of Florida, Napier said. Our team... Staff and entire organization will work daily to establish a program with integrity and class that we can all be proud of. More importantly, we will build a culture that is centered around making an impact on our players as people, as students, and on the field. We embrace the expectations and are excited about the challenge ahead. We will assemble a special group of people and immediately get to work building a great program. A special thank you to President Dr. Fox and Athletic Director Scott Strickland, we look forward to getting to Gainesville and starting this journey. 
Scott Strickland goes, goes on to say, I followed and studied Billy Napier's career with interest, and he became the primary target immediately after this position came open, Strickland said. We felt confident he would be an excellent leader for the Gators, which is why he was the only candidate I met about the job. Can't confirm that. Um, quote Billy's ability to bring highly talented people together, players, coaches, and staff, along with his vision for having a strong relationship-based culture is what made him such an attractive choice. Add in detailed his plan is for player development, staffing, and recruiting, along with sustained desire to improve. It's easy to see why he's been successful. I'm so pleased to I'm so I'm so pleased that Billy, Allie, Annie, Sammy, Nelson, and Charlie are coming to Gainesville. This is an exciting day for the Gators. So here's a summary compiled by the University of Florida. Napier, whose coaching experience includes stops at Alabama, Clemson, Arizona State, Colorado State, and South Carolina State compiled an overall 39-12 and 12 record with the Raging Cajuns, 42-year-old 42 led Louisiana to four Sunbelt Conference West Division titles and one conference championship during his time at Louisiana Lafayette. Napier was named the Louisiana Sports Rider Association Coach of the Year in 2020 and Sunbelt Conference Coach of the Year in 2019, took the Raging Cajuns to unprecedented heights when the team broke into the national rankings last year for the first time in the modern era, team finished 2020 campaign ranked number 15 in the AP Top 25, number 16 in the USA Today Amway Coaches Poll, and number 19 in the college football playoff. Louisiana's highest rankings in all three polls. Louisiana owned a 27-7 record against Sunbelt opposition under Napier, including a perfect 16-0 mark against members of the conference's West Division. Regarded as one of the most talented recruiters in college football, Napier played an instrumental role in the 2011-2015 National Champions at Alabama, where he served as wide receivers coach from 2013 to 2017 and offensive analyst in 2011 under head coach Nick Saban. During his time in Tuscaloosa, Napier coached 2014 Belitnikoff Award winner Amari Cooper, who was the number four overall pick in the 2015 draft. 70 games at Alabama, Napier helped the tie combine 63-7 record in five seasons, including the 26 consecutive wins from 2015 to 2016. Alabama's offense averaged 6.27 yards per play and 36.4 points per game under that stretch. Prior to Alabama, Napier spent seven seasons at Clemson, where he first began his career as a graduate assistant, later served as tight ends recruiting coordinator and offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach as well. During his three, se three seasons as Tigers recruiting coordinator, Napier compiled two top 25 recruiting classes, and in 2008, his class was tabbed as the second best in the nation by ESPN.com. So history right there, Will, uh, of course, at the two programs competing for national championships, Alabama and Clemson in recent memory. A uh, lot to his resume right there for, for one Billy Napier at those big programs. And Will, I think, We'll start with it because we always have. Florida put it in there, made sure to announce and mention the word, the R word, recruiting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously we know that's important, right? We've seen it. We heard what Kirby Smart had to say after the win this year, and everybody, I think, at the at the Florida level sort of felt that when Smart said that. And um, I think Napier, one of the nice things is, is that he came in and he got fifth his first year there at Louisiana in their conference. And he's been first, first and first every year since he's second right now in recruiting, but right around the same national level, he significantly increased their recruiting profile and he's making sure that he's beating teams with very similar, very similar budgets, very similar schedules, very similar profiles. So that's the thing, right? Is if he can come into the SEC and do the same thing where he's beating teams with similar profiles and similar budgets, then you're going to be at least recruiting with the LSUs of the world. But certainly the expectation is he's going to recruit up there with Georgia and Alabama and start flipping back and forth with those guys, one, two, and three. And if you do that, then you're going to have a shot on the field, regardless of, of how good you are as a developer. The thing that jumped out to me about his time at Clemson actually was Taj Boyd. So he wasn't the primary recruiter. He was the secondary recruiter for Taj Boyd there as he was the offensive coordinator at Clemson. But he got fired before he had the opportunity to really sort of experience that turnaround that Dabo was able to do at Clemson. But a big part of that turnaround was Taj Boyd. And a big part of bringing in Taj Boyd was Billy Napier. And having Napier understand what it looks like to bring in recruits and cast a vision before you've won. Cause you got to remember Boyd 
Boyd commits to that program. Then they go six and seven that year afterwards. And that's when Dabo's sort of on the hot seat. A lot of people thought that Swinney hire was a bad hire. So to be able to go out there and cast vision without necessarily having results on the field, I think is a big thing for Florida to take a look at because that's something that that has been missing, quite honestly, right? I mean, you look at the transition class and the bump class for Mullen, and basically every recruiting class he's had here has been the exact same. How do you cast that vision when no one can negatively recruit against you? Bill talked about it last week on sort of the, the postmortem for Mullen. That bump class is critical where you just – Nobody can say, no, you can't do it because you're out there showing it or because you haven't had an opportunity to go out in there and show it yet. And so uh, being able to sell your program, sell your vision, that sort of stuff, I think he's already got experience with that. We've seen that with Clemson and certainly being able to do what he's done at Louisiana there and out recruit the people who have similar resources and similar profiles says something about at least the expectations coming into Florida, whether he can match those expectations or something that that we're going to be watching. Obviously, we're going to be tracking very closely. But one of the things that was disappointing about Mullen when he came in is that he wasn't able to match Urban Must or Urban Meyer. He wasn't able to match Will Muschamp. And then he was just barely sort of beating Jim McElwain. Now, I think Mullen's left the program in better condition than he found it under McElwain. The recruiting is better. The, the players who are here are higher quality players, and I think they have a better understanding of what they're supposed to do on the field, certainly, than they did under Jim McElwain. At the same time, obviously, it wasn't good enough, and so Napier's going to have to take that to a next level. They're not paying him to be Dan Mullen 2.0. They're not paying him to be Will Muschamp. They're paying him to be Urban Meyer, and we'll see whether he can get that done because that's who he's going to be compared against when you look at recent history for the Florida program. Yeah, well, you you bring up we bring up the timeline there and start from Clemson. He was fired from Clemson, uh, and he said, look, that was a wake-up call. It, it caused him to reevaluate everything uh, and went to Saban learned under Saban, took everything he could soak in uh, from, from, from Nick Saban, went to Jim McElwain in Colorado State, came back to Alabama before taking that job at Louisiana. And I'm telling you, I've talking to some, and I'll try and get him on this week, Kevin Hagan, uh, who's, uh, I've had him on for the Alabama uh, preview shows that we've done in the last couple of years, that he's been really big on, on Billy Napier. And he soaks in everything from Nick Saban. Nick Saban thinks the world of him. Nick Saban thinks very highly uh, of Billy Napier. Moves don't really happen for Billy Napier without some kind of assistance, without some kind of checking in with Nick Saban about the process. Nick Saban has helped him evaluate these jobs that he's turned down in recent years, the Auburns, Mississippi States, the South Carolinas, Tennessees uh, of the world, the SEC jobs that you know he's been up for and or turned down. And, you know, he thinks really high. Uh, uh, they really think really highly of each other now. And now, you know, hopefully we, we get to where we're going head to head uh, with Nick Saban in these coming years with Billy Napier. But, you know, coming from the Alabama tree, I know that comes with a certain reputation out there of failures uh, at Florida. Will Muschamp, a Nick Saban disciple, didn't work out. Jim McElwain, a Nick Saban disciple that didn't work out uh, at, at Florida. But there's connections there with, with Napier and Jim McElwain. And Jim McElwain, maybe an unlikely hero uh, here for Florida coming behind the scenes of setting the expectations of things that need to change at, at Florida to be successful behind the scenes. Who needs to be involved? Who doesn't need to be involved? What are the things that need to take place as far as facilities and the recruiting approach? He told Billy Napier uh, about these things before accepting this job. So now he comes in with a certain set of demands that Florida needs to meet. And we talk about everybody needing to be on the same page, Will, of getting on recruiting and where it needs to go. It needs to start from the very top, whether it be president, admin, athletic director, boosters, UAA, whoever it needs to be. Everybody needs to be on the same page. And for everything I can gather about this hire, Billy Napier was not going to accept this job unless – those demands were met and everybody's on the same page right now moving forward to get this program in the best shape, starting with recruiting. Yeah. Well, I think that's actually one of the things that's really a, a check in Napier's box. That's, that's impressive is that because he's turned down these other jobs, because he hasn't jumped at the first big job that's come to the table, he has that negotiating position and has the ability to say, this is what I want in a job. You're going to have to start, start, buying in. Now, I, the other thing I think is that timing matters. And so four five, six years ago, the Florida administration and the Florida program may not have been in a condition, may have not been an, of, of, of the same mindset of saying, hey, we're going to buy into this because this is what's necessary. But watching Nick Saban over the last decade, watching Kirby Smart over the last five or six years, I think it's become, become pretty clear that this is what you're going to need to do to win at, a, at, the, at the highest level in college football. And I think there's probably more alignment at the top 
within the Florida program than there has been in years. And so the timing, I think, works out well between Billy Napier coming in and saying, hey, I need this kind of support and the administration saying, yeah, you're right. You are going to need that kind of support. And hey, we're going to hold you to a really high standard, but we're going to give you the, the resources that you need in order to do that. The other thing is, is that I think that um, there is something to be said for the fact that when you don't jump at that first big, when you don't jump at that first big job opportunity, you're no longer a Saban clone. And I think that's always the concern as people talk, think about people coming from the Saban tree. Are they just trying to replicate what Saban's doing? One of the things that spending four years at Louisiana, one year that having the failure at Clemson says one year being the analyst at Alabama, who then leaves, goes someplace else, and then comes back to Alabama as a wide receiver coach has sort of allowed Napier to get a different perspective than just the way Nick Saban does it. It's not like he left a job where he failed, went into Alabama, and then went someplace else, um, had a little bit of success, and then is coming in here. He's spent quite a bit of time since he left Clemson. That was 2010 when he was dismissed from Clemson. So he's had 11 years since then to grow up, to sort of absorb all the things that, that Saban has told him, but then also to use the things that he's learned to make sure that he's making the right decision. And that's always been the thing about Saban. I don't think there's some magic pill that Saban makes this decision. Yeah. So you have to make this decision and you have to run your program that way. I think the thing about Saban is that he cares about process and he cares about making sure that he's putting his players and his program in the best position to succeed. And he looks at it from a long term perspective, because quite honestly, he doesn't have to worry. If they'd have lost that game last night, yeah, there would have been some yahoos on on uh, on message boards saying Saban's lost it and he needs to be fired. But at the end of the day, like he's got enough job security and enough comfort with himself that he can say, look, I'll sacrifice today to be better next year and the year after and the year after that. And we've seen that time and time again, where he's brought guys in, he's played them when they're young, they've made mistakes. Certainly he's been able to build that into a juggernaut. But when you think about some of the things and the growing pains that Alabama felt coming up with Urban Meyer sort of on top of the SEC and then being able to overtake him, I think that kind of profile is probably what you're looking at with Billy Napier coming in, assuming that he's learned those lessons. But that that to me is the thing that's comforting about his selection of these processes, about reaching out to various people, about using people like McElwain who've been in this job, who understand the demands, who understand the limitations, who understand the constraints. And who understand the benefits, right? Because that's one of the things that I think gets lost in all this when people talk about Florida being a crucible is all the things that you gain when you're able to turn this program into what it's supposed to be, right? I mean, Urban Meyer, for all of his flaws, is still looked very highly upon by many, many people in Gainesville. And Steve Spurrier is a legend, not just because of what he did as a quarterback, but also because of what he did as a head coach and what he's meant to the program. And so if you have the opportunity to do that, it's just like if an NBA star goes and turns around the New York Knicks, right? I mean, that guy is going to have a much higher profile than somebody who wins a championship with the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's the reality. And so, you know, certain people are willing to take that shot. Certain people aren't. I think what this suggests is that Napier is willing to take that shot, willing to dictate his terms. And I got to be honest, I'm really, really excited because you've got Napier coming in sort of having that profile. And then you've got a quarterback who willingly changed his number to 15 who says he was a Gator yesterday after the game against Florida State. I think that combination is going to be really interesting because you got two guys who clearly aren't afraid to take a shot, and the combination of those two I think is going to be really, really interesting the next year or two. Well, I'm going to give some props here to Brody Miller from The Athletic as well. He did, uh, and I'm assuming because he covers LSU for The Athletic, and I'm assuming probably doing some research on Billy Napier just in case Napier ends up getting the LSU job. Uh, so he shared this, he shared his article today and shared a quote from his article uh, today as well on, on, on Twitter and gets, as you talked about the process and it has everybody talked about you know, the process and the plan in place uh, for Florida uh, to get where they need to be. So this was the very interesting uh, part of this that he shared. And he says, this is the part that gets Napier creeping up in his seat. Hey, quote from Billy Napier here. I don't just, I don't just enjoy one part of what I do, right? He says, I love every little part of this college football deal. I love the offseason program. I love strength and conditioning. I love nutrition. I love sports science. I love evaluating players. I love recruiting and putting a roster together and out hustling and working to put your own team together. I love the challenge of having attrition on your staff and having to replace people and hire good people and do it again. Do it better. I love putting together installation schedules and practice schedules. I love the scheme. I love the strategy. I really enjoy the motivation part of what we do. So I guess what I'm saying is I can't imagine doing much else. 
I mean, that's you exactly what, what, don't that's exactly what you want to hear. And words are words, but you know, he's went saying great things there uh, in, in an interview. Things that you know, really point to some of the issues that we have seen uh, at Florida, even with some success on the field behind the scenes of things that could creep up, you know, under Dan Mullen as potential issues that end up, you know, being the issues that we, you know, that ended up getting fired uh, for, per se, you know, it wasn't just the record. We, we know that in, in 2021, it was more about trajectory of the program and going on behind the scenes. And now at least you have somebody on the surface who gets it saying the right things uh, about, you know, putting, putting, putting a roster together. I and mean, I think he had to replace five staffers, on his staff this past year and still was able to keep up with the success of what he has brought Louisiana to, to keep, continue that success, no matter the staff changes that he's made. So, you know, he, you mentioned Kirby's uh, comments after Florida, Georgia this year about recruiting and saying, look, I got I, coming out and saying, I have to take time away from my family uh, for, for recruiting and to get the job done. And it seems like, you know, you get kind of that eat, breathe, live football from Billy Napier and maybe even the recruiting world as well, that you know, it's going to take to succeed at the University of Florida. Yeah, I think there's two things here. One is that we need to acknowledge that every coaching change carries some sort of risk. So yes. I went back and looked at the 2018 guys who, who were hired after the 17 season. There were 20 coaches that were hired after 2017. Eight of them have been fired. One got hired away, so Josh Heupel went from UCF to Tennessee. But they have a 516 overall winning percentage versus 546 for their predecessors. So the 2018 class, at least, has, been, has done worse than the people who were there before them. So when you make a change, that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. And in fact, you look at that, eight of them have been fired, but you've got Chip Kelly and Scott Frost on that list, as well as Sean Lewis, who's 18 and 22 at Kent State, and then Jonathan Smith, who's 16 and 26 at Oregon State. So not necessarily great. Now, you do have Mario Cristobal at Oregon, and then you've got Billy Napier at Louisiana. So there have been some wins there, but there is risk. So I think it's worth mentioning that, right? That no one is a sure thing. And no one thought Urban Meyer was a sure thing when he came right. from, from Utah. There were plenty of people wondering, can the spread work here? Is he going to be able to succeed in the SEC? A lot of those same questions are going to be there for Billy Napier. And quite honestly, you and I are going to be watching with eagle eyes to make sure that the words that are being said get translated into results, both on the recruiting trail and on the field and with the culture of the team in terms of you know some of the undisciplined play that we certainly saw yesterday against Florida State. All that being said, what I heard when you listed all those different things that Napier loves is that he loves change, that he doesn't mind dealing with the fact mm. that staff turns over, that recruits turn over, that he's constantly building new relationships. And if you think about the one thing that maybe really frustrated the Gator fan base with Dan Mullen, it's that they weren't sure that he was going to embrace or even be willing to change and that what you saw that with the, the the retention of Hevesy and Grantham for as long as he did you saw that with sticking with Emory Jones all year long when it seemed like Anthony Richardson was the right was the right path you even saw it when they brought in Kyle Trask to replace Felipe Franks and we sat there and said whoa this guy's been sitting on the bench the whole time mm -hmm. and that worked out well because of the injury but you never want to have to rely on somebody breaking their ankle like that in order to have the right player out there on the field. And so even with Damian Pierce this year, I think we've seen that a little yeah. bit. So the aversion to change in many cases is a good thing, right? You don't want someone to change their principles. So their core principles, you want to remain the same. You want them to be principled in, hey, recruiting is important. We don't want people to change that opinion, right? That, that it's, it's backed by the data and that's a core principle. But once you get past those core principles, and I think this is one of the things that Napier hopefully learned in his time at Alabama, was watching Saban accept some of the advice that he got from Lane Kiffin, watching Saban go through the process of figuring out how he was going to modify his offense to take advantage of the athletes that he had and, and participating in that and even helping to scheme with those sorts of things. And so again, Nick Saban has a bunch of core principles, but he's been willing to change and he enjoys that change associated with getting better and better every day. And that's what I heard in that in that statement that you made about Billy Napier is that he embraces that change, that he even loves that change, rather than saying, I wish things wouldn't change. I'm going to hold on to what I've been doing. So if you think about if something's not working on offense, let's scrap it and do something different. Let's let's bunker down similarly to the way Urban Meyer did after things weren't working in 2005, called all his assistants in before the Georgia game, and they basically sat there and said, what are we going to change over these next two weeks to make sure things work? 
instead of just sort of throwing things on the wall, which is what it felt like sometimes with his previous staff. So um, again, I, I actually, I think Mullins left Napier in a pretty decent situation here at Florida. I think there's certainly a talent deficit from some of the big boys, but I don't think that it is. Um, I, I think there's some holes in the roster. They're going to need to be filled. And certainly there might be some transfer portal activity and you would expect some transfer portal activity, mm -hmm. both in and out with Napier coming in at the same time. The fact that he's willing to embrace change, that he likes change means that he's not going to be afraid to say, hey, I'll try this. If it doesn't work, we'll make some adjustments along the way. We'll make adjustments on the fly. But I have my core principles. I'm going to stick to those core principles. And hopefully that really, to me, is going to be the key, right, is that if he's so – if he loves change so much that that the – the beacon of those core principles starts to shift, then he's going to struggle. If he can keep those core principles in place and then build off of that and change off of that, then I think that's the the real core of a, of a high-level coach at college football. All right, Will, a little more on recruiting before we uh, get uh, kind of his recent history on the field a bit too. Great recruiter, uh, of course, for a while. Uh, Louisiana, um, Louisiana has number one class in the Sun Belt the past three years, uh, currently second in the conference in, the, in, in his coming up class of 2022 that's you know, not finished right now. Average ratings have gone up every year, uh, and both the 2021 and 2022 classes consist of only three-star players. So Louisiana getting, you know, only three stars for them is a good thing. You know, you're not getting the unrated or the two stars or the one stars. Three stars at Louisiana are a great, great uh, path of recruiting uh, there at, at that school. Uh, very, and also said he said he was very aggressive in the transfer portal the last couple of years in, in, in asking around nine transfers to contribute in this uh, this season in 2021. Directly credited by 24-7 Sports with the recruitment of, while at Alabama, offensive tackle Cam Robinson, star wide receivers Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, uh, along with defensive backs Hootie Jones, Trevon Diggs. Um, and as you said, Will, going back to Clemson, credited with recruiting star quarterback Taj Boyd. So big, big uh, – a feather in the cap there. Uh, so whether it's been Alabama, Clemson, Louisiana, good recruiter wherever he's been, a proven track record there, of course, will have to apply that at Florida. And you know, being the head coach of an SEC program, much more um, uh, pressure to, to go along with that. And we know at Florida to also uh, recruit at that high level. Uh, but very, very you know, good look there uh, at his uh, recent recruiting style and was something that we know uh, Florida has to make uh, one of, if not the top priority uh, moving forward for the University of Florida in the near future. Uh, so offense, of course, Will, that's his background. Um, Raging Cajuns, over 31 points a game in all four years of, uh, under Billy Napier as he's been in Lafayette. And not great quarterback play uh, to go along with that, to, to get those 31 points uh, per, per year. He's been creative with his run schemes and, and, and alignment for his defense. His defense has been pretty good uh, at, at there as well, kind of, I think, bringing that tough mentality, a tough SEC mentality uh, there, knowing that you got to have be, – be strong up front on, on defense. That's what he's brought to the Sun Belt. And – Pistol sets uh, for this year's offense is what you can see when you go back and uh, look at this, look at this offense and how they play uh, motions. He uses a lot of motion to, to get to some angles on, on offense to, to help his offense. And so 12 games in this 2021 season uh, had the 46th ranked scoring offense at 31.2 points per game, 63rd in total offense, uh, 406 yards a game uh, defenses on the, I mean, on the other side for defense, ranked 13th in scoring defense, 18.5 points a game given up, and 41st in total defense. And you go back to last year as well, ranked 29th in scoring offense at 33.6 points per game and 43rd in total offense with 421 yards a game. They also ranked 31st in scoring defense last year at 22 points a game and 33 in total defense, giving up 355.4 yards a game. 14, last year, Will, 14 of their players were named to Sun Belt all-conference teams as well. So you can only do good as good as what your peers are, are doing, especially in the Sun Belt. You're, as you mentioned earlier, Will, you have a certain limitation of how well you can recruit and the certain type of players you bring in. But when you hear of 14 players on an all-conference team, that's what we see from Alabama every year in the SEC. You know, So that's you know you, you start looking at – can he – and that's the big question, Will, is when we start looking at the offensive numbers and the recruiting numbers and all-conference players, can you translate what you've done at Louisiana to now what you're going to be asked to do at Florida? 
Yeah, I mean, so that's that's obviously the big question. I think I'll start with the negatives first. Um, there are a couple of negatives. One is that he's 11 and one in one tour games over the last couple of years. And as we've seen with Jim McElwain and with Dan Mullen now, that really is fool's gold when you start out seven and one, six and zero oh in one score games. That comes back to bite you on the back end when all of a sudden that starts to shift. And so you do wonder, is he as hot a candidate if you know, if he goes 500 in those games and, you know, let's say he's five and six in those games instead of, or five and what, six and six in those games instead of one and 11 or 11 and one. Let me me clear that up a little bit. You're not necessarily saying the 11 and one record is bad. No, I'm saying that those games to be, those games tend to be 50, 50 propositions. And so, you know, we've seen with Jim McElwain started, I think seven and one or seven and oh, and one score games. And I think even nine and one, because he won a couple of, even in the year where things fell apart. Um, The big one from Franks, especially on the deep throw um, against Tennessee sort of pushed that record up. And then he started losing one score games. And when he did things fell fell apart quickly. And if you think about Florida this year, you know, Mullen was six and one in one score games in his first two years was zero and three last year and and then zero and four this year. And so going zero and seven in those one score games shifts the perception of how things are doing. So if I'm look if I'm going to look for a negative, that's the thing I'm going to look for or, or look at with Napier's record there at uh, at Louisiana. Now there's a lot of positive too. Um, you look at the guy who was there before, Mark Hudspeth. He took over in 2011. It was three and nine, and then he immediately ripped off four straight nine and four seasons, but then followed that up by going 15 and 22 over the next three seasons. And the Raging Cajuns had to vacate a bunch of wins, 22 wins during those first four years due to NCAA violations. So that's what's Nap- that's what Napier walks into there. He goes seven and seven in the first year and does end up representing the conference in the conference championship game. And he's gone 31 and four ever since. And that looks a lot like Urban Meyer's 31 and five record when you look at his last year in Bowling Green and his two years at Utah. And if you look at his first year in Utah, Urban Meyer, I think, was like four and one or five and one in one score games there as two. So that, that's not a the one score game stuff is not a disqualifying thing. I, but I think it is something to look for and something we want to make sure that when we're when we're evaluating him early on, a 32 to 28 win is great. But a 32 to 14 win are the things that we want to see as to whether the program is really starting to turn the corner. And you probably won't see that in 2022, but certainly in 2023, you would expect to see significantly less of those one score games coming out there. The other thing is, is that, you know, his one of the ways I like evaluating coaches is looking at their average finish at ESPN's FPI. So that factors in. You can measure teams that way because it's not just a top 25. You can see where does an advanced metric place them. So in his time at Louisiana, they've finished 57 and a half and his recruiting ranking nationally has been 83.3. Whereas the guy before him, Hudspeth had a national recruiting ranking in 97.6 and his average FPI was 91.7. So what that suggests is that Napier, at least compared to the guy at Louisiana that he took over for, who won, who won nine games, four times that Napier is a superior coach because he gets more out of his talent than Hudspeth was ever able to. And then the other thing that really makes me happy is that Hudspeth's national recruiting ranking was 97.6 overall, and the transition class for Napier was 105th, and then jumps up to 77th, 82nd, and 69th, first in the conference each of those years. His FPI is 102nd, but he still won the West in the Sun Belt that year, and then jumps up to 44th, 36th, and 48th. And so outperforming his recruiting ranking on that FPI, but also a top 40, 45 program for a team that's recruiting in the 80s is is a very very impressive thing from a coaching perspective. So not only is he winning the conference, he's basically he's basically been first or second every year he's been there. He, not only is he winning the conference from a recruiting perspective, but he's beating teams he shouldn't. And the underlying advanced metrics suggest that Louisiana is a much better team than the recruiting profile would suggest. And so you look at that and say, hey, if he can raise Florida's recruiting profile and if he can make those players better than the recruiting profile would suggest, now you've really got something. Because what we really had with Dan Mullen was somebody who was not able to raise Florida's recruiting profile all that much. But for all intents and purposes, when you look at the different measures, even with this year, um, you know, Mullen was a good coach. He was able to get a lot out of those players that he had that are, had out there on the field. It's just that the one-score game started to catch up to him and that he didn't have the level of player that he needed to beat Alabama, Georgia, and LSU, which is why you go 2-8 and eight against those teams. And so then the slip-ups against Kentucky, the slip-ups against South Carolina, the slip-ups against Missouri are that much more magnified because if you're going to lose to teams that are less talented than you, 
you can't lose to all the teams that are more talented than you. And that's just <laughs> sort, sort of what did Mullen in, in the end. So anyway, I think when I look at all of the different metrics for Napier compared to the guy who was there before him at Louisiana, everything looks very, very positive. But I still go back to, you know, one, that coaching changes are always a risk. And it's a little bit of a crapshoot anyway. And two, that uh, that those one score games are the things that I'm going to be looking for very early on is what does he do on fourth down? is he able to get an extra edge that gives them an advantage in those games or is it that he was getting lucky? And so, you know, at some point that luck runs out and we'll have to see what happens when he gets into those situations in Gainesville. Uh, Will, you, you mentioned recruiting, how it goes to staff, how it goes to development. And there we go. That's before we sign off on here. That's where we'll go next. Uh, so Steve Wiltfong, 24 seven sports recruiting director had this to say about Billy Napier today after the hire was announced for Florida Napier leads the charge on trail for his staff. I think that is welcome, welcome news there of the head coach leading the charge in, in recruiting. And with his background, why would you not? I think he, like, just basically, I think your way, I hate to compare it, keep comparison, but just probably the way kind of Kirby Smart leads the charge of, uh, of Georgia's recruiting. Hire other staffers that can recruit as well, but you're the guy in charge. And also, Wilt Fong goes on to say this, Florida should be in the hunt annually for top five classes, but instead see the state's elites leave year in and year out. Here we go, Will. No way that happens under Napier. He knows the SEC footprint. He knows how to evaluate, and he knows how to win. That comes from Steve Wiltfong, 24-7 sports recruiting director there. Welcome, welcome, welcome news as far as recruiting goes and you know, probably putting together a staff, which is where we'll go next, Will. And my good buddy, um, Chris Landry, he's on the Bill King Show with me every week. Let me pull up his tweet uh, there. But Landry Football, at Landry Football on Twitter, Billy Napier put together an impressive list of assistant coaching prospects when discussing the Florida job with school officials. Very organized, professional, tireless and relationship-based recruiter recruiter with excellent skills on developing talent they were sold from the start so i mean tell you you're hearing glowing and look i know this happens it's kind of the nature of a coaching search most of the time when the, uh, a new guy comes in you're going to hear a lot of glowing uh, reviews here but this kind of lets you know landry's really really plugged in to uh the coaching world uh in in college football specifically in the southeast as well so you get some glowing reviews there and also the first part of that put together an impressive list of an assistant coach co- coaching prospects. Well, so that goes to, and oh, look, I got stuff open everywhere, trying to t- tie all this stuff together uh, at the same time. 24-7 Sports uh, had an article uh, today, Will, that they posted, and Billy Napier reportedly targeting Jim Knowles or Doug Belk as Florida defensive coordinator. So we know the name Doug Belt. It was profiled here on Gators Breakdown a couple weeks ago uh, when we were moving on from Ty Grantham. Uh, but big names there. Jim Knowles is an Oklahoma State assistant, and Doug Belk, of course, is at Houston. Uh, and 24-7 Sports says Knowles has, has led the Big 12's top defense to an 11-1 record this season for the Cowboys, and he birthed the next week's conference championship game against uh, Baylor. Houston also has 11 wins, and the Cougars take on playoff threat Cincinnati in the AAC conference title uh, contest coming up. So some big names there to to, to go along uh, with uh, looking for staff. As far as current staff goes, Will, I'm hearing that, you know, of course a big question would be who do you bring from the current current staff uh, if if you bring – uh, anybody from 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 Dan Mullen's staff? Who would he consider? Tight end coach Tim Brewster, linebacker coach slash current defensive coordinator Christian Robinson, and secondary coach Wesley McGriff are the only names I'm hearing uh, as far as if anybody from this current staff is going to be retained. It would be you probably are going with those group of guys. Not sure all of them, uh, but those are names that will probably be considered uh, for Billy Napier. Already a conversation with Wesley McGriff um, dating back a couple of days ago uh, as well. As we said, this has been in the works for a couple of weeks. Nothing really new here. Uh, you know, going back to the uh, South Carolina game a couple of weeks ago. So you've been able to talk to Jim McElwain, talk to Nick Saban, talk to current staff members from Florida and trying to figure this whole thing out. But as Landry said, Conversation's been going on, and it seemed like Florida was pretty impressed with potential candidates, uh, coaching staff candidates that uh, Billy Napier would be able to bring in. 
Yeah, so I'd, I'd reached out to some people that would be in the know about just Napier's personality. And one of the things that they said is that he comes across as really genuine. And so I think when it comes to his ability to – one of the things we're going to learn about his ability to recruit right away is who does he recruit at coordinators, at both of those coordinator positions, right? To pull somebody away from defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State to be a defensive coordinator at Florida, considering the job that, that's been done at Oklahoma State – says something because, you know, that's somebody who could conceivably be in line for a head coaching job based on the job that he's done at Oklahoma State. And so you're selling him on your vision and, and exactly where you think this program can be and what he gets next by taking a step up from defensive coordinator in the Big 12 to being a defensive coordinator in the SEC, if that's the if that's the choice they decide to make. Now, obviously, Houston, it is a step up from defensive coordinator there to being a defensive coordinator at Florida. But that's the word that kept getting used over and over and over was genuine. And so that's where I'm getting excited because – you think about building the relationships with the high school coaches in the Jacksonville area and the Lake City area and the Ocala area and the Orlando area and, uh, you know, the Lakeland area and all those places where Florida has been able to traditionally draw talent, but has not been able to draw talent from under the last couple of regimes. And, you know, I remember articles back in 2015 and 2016 talking about Jim McElwain being very difficult to get along with. I think there also have been rumblings of that with, with Dan Mullen as well. And it doesn't sound like that's going to be an issue at all with Billy Napier. So you, you take that, what you're hearing in terms of just his ability to sort of cast a vision, his ability to come across as incredibly genuine. And then you say, hey, is this guy going to be able to recruit? Well, the first people he's going to have to recruit are that, are that staff and those coordinator positions. And, and again, I think this goes back to timing. I'm not sure that Napier makes this move if he doesn't think that he's got the people to come on as coordinators to make him successful in this job. And so I'm sure that a big part of the negotiations that we've heard about have been more about what is it going, what are my financials going to look like for the coordinators and for the, the support staff and for the recruiting staff and all of the assistants and then figuring out what your constraints are and either whether you can live with those constraints or whether you have to push on those constraints. And, you know, one of the I think one of the mistakes that Jim McElwain made when he came in was he accepted the job. And then he started talking about how we needed to improve facilities and how we needed to improve, you know, things on the, you know, on the recruiting side and those sorts of things. And the problem is, is that rubs people the wrong way. And there was when he got when he got fired, there were some really that really sort of eye-opening articles that came out about his time at Colorado State and, and some what some of the administrators had thought behind the scenes about McElwain there at Florida. And I wonder whether that was less McElwain and more a miscommunication before he ever came into the program. So what I'm looking for when you look at offensive coordinator, when you look at defensive coordinator, and when you look at staff – is do I feel like he's recruited somebody from positions where they could have been comfortable to stay or they might have had other options, and do they decide to come to Florida? And I think that'll sort of portend what he's going to look like when you get him on the recruiting trail um, for for players coming up in, in the next couple of years. Good stuff, good stuff, Will. I'm glad we were able to throw this together for, for everybody here on this afternoon that the, the announcement has been made. Billy Napier will be the next head coach at Florida. Will, for a first time ever on Gators Breakdown, I can, I can check the numbers as we're live. Over 1,000 live viewers right now. Uh, first time ever, I'm pretty sure. I don't even think we've been close to that there as far as live viewers. So a lot of excitement, a lot of rival fans checking in as well, I see in the chat. Uh, so, you know, go, going through that. So, uh, of course, you know, uh, Hate views count as well. So hey, that's because they're worried, man. Like every <laughs> they say they're not. Un- they say they're not. <laughs> everybody understands. So I think they're more worried than they were three weeks ago, right? Yep. I mean, I, I think I think they're more worried than they were maybe even six months ago. Like well, yeah, if I was the, a, if the I, running joke was keep Dan Mullen. You know, they they want they wanted Dan Mullen around. around. Well, it's the same thing on fourth down, right? Like if your opponent isn't going for it on fourth down, and you like the fact that they're punting the ball then going for it was the right move. Right? <laughs> like, like you, you really kind of want to push it and do what makes your opposing fans uncomfortable. And, and you know, I, I hope Napier I, – I think Napier's going to take the high road. I don't think he's going to take shots at anybody. But I yeah. think he's going to be able to energize the fan base. And energizing the fan base is going to be winning some of those battles in the recruiting wars with Georgia, winning some of those battles in the recruiting wars with Alabama, locking down sort of a circle around Gainesville and making sure that you have those on lockdown and that the coaches, the, all of the high school coaches are raving about you. Um, and and so those, those will sort of be, you know, job number one, two, and three there for him is making sure that those, those are the things he's got. And we'll see. I mean, the, the interesting thing is, is that I think we all sort of saw the warts with Dan Mullen, maybe six months into that tenure. It didn't take real long to see, okay, this bump class isn't coming together. Okay. They're, you know, 
I think he's going to do a good job on the field, but man, this might get rough if he doesn't. And then had a, had really good success the first couple of years. And then Kyle Trask, obviously last year, um, things fall apart this year. And now all those warts become visible. Um, we'll see. I'm really interested to see whether Billy Napier has warts that we're going to be able to see or whether his time at Clemson transitioning to Alabama, what he learned at Alabama and sort of going slow up the coaching ranks and being patient at Louisiana leads us to look at it and say, you know, Maybe he doesn't get the job done, but it's not going to be because he didn't have the right processes and the right thought process in place. And I hope that's the case, and I think that's what everybody else is going to be looking at too. Because if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm more worried today than I was last week. If I'm an Alabama fan, I'm more worried today than I was last week. And if I'm a Kentucky, Missouri, or South Carolina fan, I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) I will say, if Napier pulls out a lightsaber next year, I won't hate it. Yeah, and, you know, and to back that up, it's not that, yeah, we know Napier's going to go out there and beat Georgia and beat Alabama and beat, but we knew the limitations under Dan Ball. That's why we thought it was time to move on. I, I think, you know, I won't look back and say this was not the right move. I, I, I think I may not, I, I'll admit, I may not have been right about it, but I think I know the direction under Dan Mullen. I don't think it would have ever, I don't think a new defensive coordinator, I don't think a new recruiting coordinator was ever going to be the difference under Dan Mullen in Florida going to go beat Georgia on a consistent basis and go compete with Alabama in an SEC championship game in Atlanta. I don't think that was ever going to happen. I'm not so sure it happens right now, but at least I have a better feeling of, okay, what well, change was needed. I feel like you know, a change was needed to get to that point. And there we go. I, I, I just think, um, you know, there are, there is some excitement right now. We're going to be excited for, for, for a new head coach uh, at the university of Florida. I hope it plays out like we want it to, but I do still think change needed to be made for Florida to get where they're going. And if it doesn't work out, we'll be here again, three, four years down from the road. and We'll do it all over again. And is it September yet? Like I'm ready to run <laughs> through know. a wall. Let's, yeah. let's, let's get to September and let's uh, actually uh, December, right? We got signing day coming up signing in two day. or three weeks. Um, though, again, I would caution people that transition classes are not yeah. really where you want to evaluate somebody. You well, can evaluate them before, based and before on we go on that. And, and, and before we extend that, um, Nick Evers, quarterback commit for Florida, has reaffirmed and shut down his commitment today. Of course, everybody's going to wonder what happens with commits and new coaching hires. And as Will said, you know, transfer portal for current players as well. But you also got to look at current commits as well and what they think of this. Nick Evers has shut down his recruitment, going to continue to recruit for Florida. Uh, Jaden Gibson, wide receiver there, says he's going to stick with Florida as well uh, there. So, you know, we'll see what he can do with probably splitting some responsibilities this week while he gets ready for the Sun Belt Conference Championship game. Mm-hmm. And then Hush recruits next weekend for his first time, his first full weekend at, at Florida. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the only thing we can really ask for, and I brought this up in the Gators Breakdown Plus chat, right now is to at least try and get some guys to delay their decisions and not signing early signing day. If there's any inclination that you might want to come to Florida or if you want to see what Billy Napier is all about, you know, there's only not, not many, if you just count the weekends and count recruiting, there's recruiting events. There's not many more till we even get to February, but at least now if you can hold off on some of these big guys, making some decisions for early signing day, get them on campus in January, February, then maybe you can make some kind of inroads. But as you said, don't – everybody knows how big Will and I lately are for recruiting in the last few years and, and where it goes. I'm not going to be too critical of this first class, knowing everything goes on, knowing the late start he's getting uh, there. You know, we'll, we'll evaluate more next year, but it does look at least trending in the right way for some current commits and, most important one, your big-time quarterback. Again, I go back to process, right? So the process is that that win over Florida State, I think, is a big deal when it comes to bringing in this new coach who's going to be able to come in and basically say, look, you know you're going to get me for four years. You can't say that about Florida State, and you can't say that about Miami. But you know you're going to get me for four years. And And then you know we're moving in the right direction. And There you go. To extend that one, Mike Norville just lost to Greg Knox and wasn't able to take advantage of a down – a, a down Miami and a down Florida. You beat, you were able to beat Miami, but this was the perfect opportunity to go and results on the field, whether they matter to you or not, but did have a chance to, you know, put a stake in Florida a bit and, and, and you lost that game. So they were not able to take advantage uh, while they are recruiting uh, better than, you know, a lot of people thought they would be at this point. And it still were not able to take advantage of uh, everything surrounding Florida right now. Here's the reality. Jimbo Fisher recruited top three classes. Mike Norvell and Willie Taggart haven't. 
And yes, I think the results on the field have not matched the recruiting classes that Florida State's brought in. But one of the reasons that that can happen is because you're not bringing in those top three recruiting classes with guys who are can't miss. Right. And so Florida State's bringing in, you know, classes in the nine to 14 range. Hmm. We've seen that at Florida. Miami's bringing in classes in that nine to 14 range. Hmm. We've seen that at Florida. And so I, I think there's an opportunity here to lap those guys if Napier really turns out to be the best addition of what we think he might be able to be. Now, it may turn out that, you know, he turns into Mike Norvell, right? Coming from Memphis and, you know, everybody got excited. And then the picture came out with the cornrows and we all went, oh, I don't know about that. And then, you know, <laughs> you, you see the performance on the field and you go, okay, that's not all that great. He did sort of pull it together towards the back end of this year. But, you know, the point is, if you're trying to get people to delay, right, what I'm hoping to see is that the delays come from Gainesville out. Right. Yeah. You're not trying to get some guy from North Carolina to delay. I mean, it'd be great if he does, but that's not <laughs> no where more. Spending. <laughs> no more California project. <laughs> well, I mean, if you can get the guy, then fine. But it can't be the sole source yeah. of effort that you put into something. Right. I mean, I wrote an article this year called the five three theory. And the whole point was that the five stars or the top basically 35 or 40 guys go to the NFL 50, 60% of the time, everybody else, it's basically 20% from about 150 out to 700. So when we say stars matter, when we say recruiting matters, it actually really matters to break that up into different bins in terms of can't miss products or can't miss prospects and guys who are, um, who conceivably might miss, right? Because you know, one out of, you know, you're probably going to hit on one or two out of five of them. And yeah, a great coach might get two out of five instead of one out of five. At the same time, if you spend a ton of time and effort bringing in the guy who's ranked 220 and somebody else spent the same time and effort and money bringing in a guy who's ranked 12th, I know who I'm going to pick in terms of who I think is going to get a greater return on that investment. So that's what I'd be looking for is, is the process sound when it comes to recruiting guys for this transition class, when it comes to pushing guys to try to delay their decision, like make the guys delay the decision that you really think you have a shot for and then go scoop those guys up, get into like the 14, 15, 16 range this year. I think that would really be a success. Maybe he flips some guys. You know, it was a five-star quarterback prospect who was an LSU commit um, who who all of a sudden was following Napier today. And you're sitting there going, okay, well, I mean, so I'm not saying necessarily that they're going to go get that guy. But are there other people out there who, with, with LSU not having a coach, who might know Napier because he's in the area, who might be interested in potentially exploring what Florida has to offer because they know Napier and because LSU is not necessarily – clear about what they have by December, right? So could you get those guys in that area yeah. to delay because they're not just delaying for Florida, but they're delaying to see what LSU does. And then you'd have an opportunity to make inroads there. So again, I think I'm not saying it has to be only guys from Lakeland. I'm saying you have to strategically figure out where you're going to put your resources and where you're going to put your time. Cause you have a very limited amount of it before early signing day. So you got to make sure that the phone calls and the text messages and, and the in-person visits and all that sort of stuff pay off in order to make sure you get the most you can out of this class. Good stuff, Will. Good stuff. Uh, Florida Gister, Florida Gister man, Florida Gister head coach, hopefully for a very, 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 very long time uh, on the sidelines there uh, in Gainesville. I will, you know, we'll continue to have more coverage. Will will be traveling uh, tomorrow, come, going back to Philadelphia. Will, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, man. I hope you enjoyed all the family time you got this week. Uh, will was at the quarterback club of Gainesville, too, I think, right? Uh, and had the speaking engagement earlier this week there in Gainesville. Uh, there. Unfortunately, we were not able to get together, even though this is about as close as we can get sometimes. But uh, we were in Gainesville together earlier this year. Uh, but, man, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, all the family time you got to have this week. Yeah, man, it's been great. Heading back tomorrow. It's been about a week and a half, and then the real world starts again. So hopefully I have some time to write this week because work is – my normal job is going to be a little bit of a, a whirlwind when I get back. But uh, always good to get down here, good to experience the palm trees and go out and see the alligators. And and uh, especially when I look back at Philly where I think the high today was like 36 degrees. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to do that. So next week when I'm, when I'm calling in, I will be uh, wearing a, a sweater in my basement, <laughs> freezing my butt off, and you guys will all be laughing at me. But, uh, yeah, I don't, become, think, I don't think that episode would be outside for you. Nah, but come, but come June and July, that's what I'm laughing at you, you suckers, because it's like a thousand <laughs> degrees down here, and I'm uh, and I'm sitting up there like you know wearing a sweatshirt up there too because it's still cold. <laughs> so yeah, it was a good time. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody out there had a happy Thanksgiving. One of the things I think that uh, you know towards the end of the year, when you get to the end of the year, you really start to become appreciative for all the relationships that you've built through Gators Breakdown, through Read and Reaction, through just being a Gators fan. And so you know Thanksgiving hits at the right time because you got the Florida State rivalry. You see all your family. 
and then the season ends. And so you sort of appreciate all those things coming together and the relationships that you have. So, um, you know, certainly you're one of those when it comes to me and, and appreciate you having me on here and appreciate the, the relationship we've built, but all the people out there who participate and comment and, uh, and bring something to the table as well. Really appreciate you all as well. And, and, uh, you know, we'll be with you. We, this is now our, uh, this is now our second coaching change. Um, second together, coaching change, so. third. Yeah, it's second coaching, second coaching change, and, and, and third coach will get the cover together. Will yeah, so. so so hopefully we retire before the uh, before the fourth coaching change comes. Yeah, so I'm not, I'll take I'm that. not sure. I'm not sure we can take it again, but uh, I don't know, man. It's it's been a weird year, weird year. But yeah. appreciative of everybody out there, and very very thankful that we have the trust of people to be able to do this, and and that we get to keep doing this because it's fun to do. Absolutely, absolutely. It was Will Miles, you can find him at readreaction.com. Uh, YouTube at Read and Reaction as well, and on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. All right, Gator fans, uh, this week I'll, uh, the Raging Review podcast will be on this week. Josh, who jumped in on the uh, sound off earlier this week, I'll get him planned to come on for another episode so we get to learn more about Billy Napier uh, and what Florida's getting. And my good friend Kevin Hagan as well, you heard me mention him. Very, very close to the Alabama program. Very, very close to Nick Saban. Knows a lot about Billy Napier as well. Going to get him and his thoughts on, on, on Napier. I've already had some that he's given me, but I'm going to let him tell you guys so you don't have to hear it from me. I'll let you hear it from Kevin. So that'll be up this week uh, sometime on Gators Breakdown. Just got to work the schedule out uh, with those guys. Another sound off Monday morning on Twitter. So everybody wants to, if you want to, Give me your thoughts. I didn't really have time to get to the tweets here. We're going about an hour right now. So uh, I'll get into more of your thoughts later this week as well. But definitely on the sound off Monday morning around 745, Twitter spaces. Everybody get ready to hop on that and give me your thoughts on Billy Napier. So for Will, as I said, you can find him at readreaction.com. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.